Welcome to the very first episode of the OST Party. Hello! It's a party about movies and music and where the two meet. Hi, my my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your co-host for this uh, wacky endeavor of a party. With me tonight, and hopefully for many episodes to come, is my co-host Libby Cudmore. Libby! Hello, everyone! This is a podcast about movie soundtracks, because I am a movie nerd. And I am a music nerd! And we feel like we can talk about our favorite movie soundtracks in a constructive and interesting and hopefully entertaining manner. Soundtracks, especially to people of our generation, that was how we got into music because it was the cheapest way to get the most music because we were still buying things on cassette tapes and compact discs. So the idea that you could try out all these different bands from one CD was convenient, low cost, and a great way to build a collection. And not to mention they were themed around uh, potentially a movie that you either really liked or were curious about. Yes, indeed. Um, so, like, for for example, uh, one of the first CDs I ever owned was the soundtrack to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> which is a terrible <laughs> film, but was my introduction to ZZ Top and Baltimora Ooh. and... Oh, there's. I'm sure there's some other like weird '80s sort of dance pop and late and like early '90s like grunge rock in there too. But that's kind of the wheelhouse we're going to be playing in a little bit tonight. Oh yeah, so '80s and '90s soundtracks really jumping in. I feel like that was the the kind of golden era. There's like a ten year period of like golden era, maybe fifteen golden age soundtracks in there. If you had, if we had to like codify it to like an era, I would say it goes from from Top Gun to maybe Titanic. Well, which oh, and and, uh, <laughs> and I want I say Titanic because Titanic's probably the one that killed it. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember there was one night I couldn't sleep and I was flipping radio stations and my heart will go on was on three different radio oh, stations. Oh my God. I believe it. Like that move. That song was everywhere. I know, but it, like, it really didn't need to be on the classic rock station. Oh, man, that hurts. I know. Yeah, it was, not, it was not good. But then, you know, going the other direction with Top Gun, you've got like two or three songs that are like the most popular songs of the 80s in one soundtrack. And that's yeah, kind and of the thing that drove the popularity of the film. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we can so, talk about then, that one when we get there someday. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but Libby, what are we uh, what are we discussing tonight? We're going to be talking about uh, the soundtrack to Kevin Smith's uh, debut film Clerks, so from 1994. And but how did we? I know we connected over this film, but I don't remember exactly how. Because our listeners a I, taste I, of our friendship. Because I think I think we're both in agreement here. Clerks, the film has maybe not aged well, but the one Clerks-related thing that has has sort of somehow transcended the ages is the Clerks animated series, and you and I both love that to death. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, I think that yeah, that might have been how we first bonded over Twitter. Like yeah, yeah, five or six years ago. Um, it's the strangest and, thing. I know, and it's weird because I talked to a lot of people who liked Kevin Smith early on and have sort of, you know. Got graduated college or moved out of their parents' basement or lost their virginity. And the the Clerks cartoon still remains funny. And it was a failure when it came out. But that's like the one thing that still holds up with a lot of people. So 
And that's got more to do with the fact that, like, the Clerks cartoon had other funny people besides Kevin Smith contributing. You had Seinfeld writers. You had Saturday Night Live writers. You had mm-hmm. stand-up comedians working on it. You had, you know, a wide range of comedic talent. But with the film, it's really just sort of the singular vision of Kevin Smith. And for better or for worse, it's really sort of a, uh, a signpost for where the culture was in 94. And... W- basically my entire sort of worldview as a teenager because like when i was a teenager i don't know about you but i was perpetually like seven years behind the curve so when i discovered this film in like 2000 it was like right in that wheelhouse where i was also into grunge music and also really into just like everything 1994 oh yeah yeah oh yeah not only did the movie sort of fit right into that but the soundtrack was even bigger for me because oh, it, this, this soundtrack is loaded with like, you know, grunge rock staples and all and like college rock sort of um, ephemera bands that we don't even think about anymore. But it's all kind of right here in this one little package. Yes. Um, and it's it's a wonderfully honest sort of 90s soundtrack because you looked as you headed into kind of the, the more cynical mid 90s. You had films like Singles and you had Empire Records, which is. I don't know, singles for teenagers. Um, singles and for teenagers. Yes. Um, you had these very sort of corporate designed soundtracks. Like, this is what the youth will like. Whereas this, um, you know, Love Among Freaks was a, a band that Kevin Smith went to high school with uh, with one of the guys. So... Uh, you know, it was a lot of local bands, a lot of, uh, we're, we'll talk about this, a lot of bands from Minneapolis, mm. uh, which I don't know, maybe that's the, like the New Jersey, maybe Minnesota's the New Jersey of the Midwest. I don't know. Um, that sounds about right. But <laughs> I've been to Minneapolis once. That sounds about right. <laughs> I love Minneapolis. Minneapolis is like one of my favorite cities in the world. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so yeah, there's a real, almost, there's very mixtape sense about this, that um, these are bands nobody really had heard of, for the most part, and no one would hear about since. Right. So, and but, I guess one thing to talk about right up front is that this soundtrack only came about after Miramax had bought the film, because they <laughs> brought it to Sundance, it came to the attention of... <clears throat> the people that run Miramax, they bought it and then immediately set about putting out like a sort of a grunge rock esque soundtrack to go with the film and to slot those songs into the film that so that they could then sell the soundtrack. Yes, and uh, allegedly the cost of licensing the songs cost more than the film actually cost to make. <laughs> oh, that's just the like the icing on the cake, isn't it? I know. <laughs> But like even even the trailer for the film at the very end. Featuring new music by Soul Asylum, Corrosion of Conformity, Bad Religion, The Jesus Lizard, and music by Alice in Chains. Among other acts. So like those were like the five, I guess, that they were really trying to sell the film on at that point. Yeah, because um they Love Among Freaks sort of recorded the original soundtrack in 1993 to go with the film and then re-recorded it in 94 for the soundtrack. And you can you still know, the, hear a lot of that in the film. It's like a lot of interstitial music and um, kind of background effects and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's still in there. Yes. So um, and apparently uh, I was just reading this in, uh, in 2012. Uh, Kevin Smith found the original copy of oh, wow. the, the tapes that Love Among Freaks 
recorded the original four track tapes, which is, you know, really, really neat, I think. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping there. I'm kind of hoping if they ever do like a oh heaven forbid a, a 4K like a, a ultra HD release of the film like they'll put that in there as like a feature because I would kind of yeah. I'd kind of like to hear that actually. Yeah, um, I think that'd be really fun. But uh, let, yeah, let, let's start let's dive into some of the songs on the soundtrack. Uh leading off with I guess the Love Among Freaks song Clerks, which is interesting to me that there is a song on the film on the on the soundtrack called Clerks when there's another song on the soundtrack at the end which is which is sort of subtitled Theme from Clerks. Yeah. Um, so which is it? Which is the theme from Clerks? <laughs> the theme from Clerks is Clerks by Love Among Freaks. And I really, really love the song. I actually hadn't thought about this one in a while uh, until sort of rewatching the film in recent days. And, you know, it, it opens, it's the opening montage as he's getting ready to go into the quick stop. And it's so, I just remembered how good that song is it's good it's montage so, music yeah. yeah it's gritty it's funky it's you know it's got this great snarl and it's kind of about what the film's about too it's about living day to day and being a working person in the world and yeah like it's just the one song on the soundtrack that really feels like they wrote it for the film yeah and but but it also stands on its own mm-hmm. i think which is really important yeah um, yeah and uh, it's like I I would just die for a piece of the pie, but I'd be glad to just feast on the pie crust. Is like the most that is that might is, that's going to end up being Dante Hicks's tombstone. Yeah, that's that's like the the slacker generation logo on the cover of like Time magazine when you show it, when you just look at the picture of you know it's probably like the poster of this film on the cover of Time with that lyric on it. Yeah, because <laughs> the the whole thing that, that sort of runs throughout this film is Dante's inability to make any change right so and i was surprised uh in in re-watching this because i always i never liked randall um but his final uh you know fuck you man who closed the store to play hockey who closed the store to go to a wake who tried to win back his ex-girlfriend without even discussing how he felt with his present one you want to blame somebody blame yourself I'm not even supposed to be here today. You sound like an asshole. Is so it's very it's very true and it very it rings very, very, very true, you know, going back to this song that you'll just you'll settle for the pie crust. And that's not all Dante's doing. He's settling for the most minimal crumbs. Right. Because it's more work to go for the pie. Exactly, yeah. And like as we meet him in the film, he's twenty-two, he's a I guess he's a college dropout. He never finished college, and he's working at a convenience store. And not only is he working at the convenience store, but he's agreeing to, you know, working overtime for basically no thanks. And yeah. Working on his days off and, and basically letting everybody else walk all over him, which is sort of, that's his character in a nutshell. He's the, yeah. door, he's the doormat of the quick stop. And sort of willingly so. It's, it, it's always, it's all his fault. Nothing that happens to him is like the universe it's all his fault which is kind of a daring choice for a gen x filmmaker just be like nope it's it, everything everything has consequences and you're wrong about all of it but you know it must be so great to have this ability to simplify things the way you do right and every little win that the film gives him right up to like his girlfriend coming back to the store 
bringing him lunch so that he can, you know, continue on with his day. Like even that tiny little win, he eventually throws away, you know, later mm-hmm. in the film. So everything that the film gives him, he immediately like rejects it and throws it off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so like n- he's never happy. He, even, yep. And on yeah. his own, but only because he doesn't want to be. And which is honestly so many Gen X guys I know. So there's like maybe one or two that I can think of mm-hmm. that are like that. It's it's so. it's Gen Xers really have like the this kind of societal like middle child syndrome because mm-hmm. baby boomers think it's all about them and because baby boomers have millennial kids millennials think it's all about them and then Gen Xers are kind of right there in the middle and no one talks about Gen Xers anymore. Oh my god, you know what? No, Gen Xers talk about Gen Xers and they're constantly complaining and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry things didn't work out for you and you had to give up your dreams of being I don't know, the greatest musician in the whole world. That sucks for you. But, like, at least you got to go to college when it was cheap. So, like, don't even. I know you're all sad because I don't know your dad's left or something. I don't fucking know. But don't take that shit out on me. I got a real, like, thing against Gen X dudes who are just like, ugh, the worst. And I love them. I have, like, a real soft spot for, for Gen X guys. But a lot of them are so woe is me like get over your dumb selves <laughs> I, I had to wonder if you were starting to like legitimately like give me grief for that <laughs> <laughs> it's both it's like i love them but because like they all have these big beautiful dreams that's just such a great portrayal of of gen x dudes they're all dante hicks and if they're not dante hicks they're black francis have you been to a pixie show lately? Every single person in the audience looks just like Black Francis. Oh my god. So, oh well. Well, but, I mean, on well, the other hand, I know a lot of Jack suits are like smoking hot and like really funny and good looking and like, and they're all into the best music. Don't so. try to walk it back now, Libby. I'm so torn because they're <laughs> terrible, but also I'm drawn to them. So. See, you see, this it's it's like a whole psychosis with the, like this, not only this movie but the whole generation that surrounds it. It's like this weird psychosis, and everybody is like feeding into each other's like horrible. I don't know what. I know this is gonna. I think we're gonna go a lot of really weird places with this film. So speaking of speaking of just like the utter nihilism and fuck it all attitude of Gen Xers and clerks and whatever, uh, the next song on the soundtrack is "Kill the Sex Player" by Girls Against Boys. All right. Do you want to talk about Kill the Sex Player? I'll talk about Kill the Sex Player. Yeah. Uh, this, I guess, if if this soundtrack introduced me to anybody, it's Girls Against Boys because once I sort of came across this song, I went out and I searched for other Girls Against Boys albums, and uh, you know, I I really kind of uh, fell in love with you know uh, Freakonica and Cruise Yourself and a couple other of other you know sort of the mid '90s staples of that band and. Kevin Smith apparently did too because they're in the uh, Mallrats soundtrack as well. Mm-hmm. For starters, uh, where does the song appear in the film? Uh, it appears as the film introduces Jay and Silent Bob, and if, if it feels once again wholly appropriate for those characters because the, the lyrics are just about the most nihilistic thing on the soundtrack: "Kill the noise, kill the drummer, kill the bass player, kill both bass players." There's two bass players for some reason. Kill the drummer; he can't play. Uh, kill everybody, kill everything. It's just, you know, fuck them all. Kill the sex player. 
And that's Jay and Silent Bob. That's Kevin Smith kind of right about this time. That's the whole Gen X movement in a nutshell. Like, uh, <laughs> if there's any, like, al- alternative theme song to Clerks, I think it might be Kill the Sex Player. All right. <laughs> Sp- speaking of which, this got a music video. Like, th- this soundtrack spawned two music videos, and this is one of them, which really surprised me. Huh. Because you don't yeah, you don't hear this song and think, I gotta see what this looks like. Yeah. So I haven't watched the music video. We'll have to put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um it's huh. it's it's an interesting video. It's basically like, you know, in the mid nineties rock videos were basically the band playing the song. But in this video, it's all kind of there it's sort of set in a an RST esque video store. People coming and going, putting you know, renting videos, putting them in a VCR, and then footage from the movie clerks playing in the background. Oh, nice. Yeah, because the uh, the video for Can't Even Tell, which we're going to get to, is um, uh, Jay and Silent Bob, and he's uh, Jay singing into a hockey stick while the band plays hockey on the roof right. against Dante. So uh, that's that's interesting. I hadn't, so, I'd never seen that. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of appropriate then that like each store gets its own music video. Yeah, um, and especially because I don't think that's included because the video for Can't Even Tell was included in the special features. Right. Um, so that that surprises me. Um, and that might have to do more with a uh, label. Yeah, that's a, that's probably a licensing like issue. So, um, fun fact about um, Girls Against Boys, yeah. Johnny Temple, the bassist, now runs Akashic Books, which is kind of a punk uh, book label. Oh, good for him. Book publisher. So he <laughs> uh, presented at uh, Noircon couple years ago when i was there and my friend matthew was super excited because he's a gen x dude and they're like required to get excited about girls against boys so <laughs> yeah so, see like fe- feeding, feeding back into the thing we're like i kind of wish i was a gen x dude because i really like girls against boys oh my god i honestly i wish i really feel like i was i should have i should have gone to college in like the mid 80s and dated some dude who would really really super break my heart just later on <laughs> just, get, just was, get me a t-shirt that says gen x junior i'll wear it <laughs> I know, we're like, I think we could be, my, Matthew said I was an honorary Gen Xer, so I think I can, I can W the same. Um, oh, so it's like transitive. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's transitive property. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, mo- moving on, I think the next song on the soundtrack might be both of our favorite songs on the soundtrack. <laughs> so, and is that, um, what, Bash, what is that? Bash and Pop. Bash and Pop. Making, making me, me sick. sick. Yes, um, this song is really, in a, in a long way around, way responsible for my obsession with The Replacements. Okay. It is uh, Tommy Stinson's band following the breakup of The Mats, and it also features, I'm going to this down, um, uh, Steve Foley, who was their drummer later on. Um, and I sort of, this was my, my introduction to that sound. And they are one of several bands, uh, one of several Minneapolis bands on uh, the Clerks soundtrack, along with Golden Smog and Soul Asylum. Mm, okay. So they really like uh, Minneapolis, apparently. <laughs> Minneapolis is great. It's one of the greatest cities in God's America. God's America, <laughs> not that other fake America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, what, what is it about this song that you like? I listened to this soundtrack just driving around town. And I, when this song came on and I hadn't heard it in a while, I realized this song is in my um, iTunes rotation already. And it just mm-hmm. pops up. It pops up every once in a while. And I don't even think of it as a clerk's song anymore. It's just, oh, that yeah. fashion pop song that I really like. 
And so I think it's it's a little bit more upbeat. It's a, or at least the the music is the lyrics, not necessarily, but it's a little more upbeat. It's a little more bouncy and lighter than a lot of the rest of the soundtrack is. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what draws me to it. It's just it's it sets itself apart from all the the sort of the the grunge and the the post rock or whatever you call it. Yeah, it's almost by comparison, it's almost poppy. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a great Minnesota uh, punk sound. Uh, yeah, this one I I had actually I had forgotten that this was on the the Clerk soundtrack because it is it's just sort of in rotation. Yeah. And um, I mean, I didn't get into the mats until years later, but I did buy. I found a copy of Friday Night Is Killing Me, which was their album, and it's not that good. Because I really, I was so disappointed because I love this song so much. And so to find out that they really aren't that great was such a bummer. I mean, I was so glad that, like, that you were able to really get into Girls Against Boys. Right. The, uh, but this one, Fashion Pop just, they didn't, they didn't make it. Although, you know, I, I later discovered the replacements and now they're like my all-consuming obsession. There you go, yeah. But, so... Well, that, that's kind of the magic of the movie soundtrack, though. Like, you can get those one-offs that, that you can't get anywhere else, and it's just like, that. this is this is the perfect little nugget of Bash and Pop. Right yeah, there. it's like, that's as much Bash and Pop as you need. Um, uh, there are no uh, women on this soundtrack. I think maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Because Alice in Chains, not a girl. Not a girl. The lead, the lead singer of Bash and Pop, not a girl, like I thought. No. Um, but I think that's... This is a real dude film. There are a handful of women in it. One of them artificially inseminates uh, caged animals. Uh, Emmanuel masturbates uh, caged animals for artificial insemination. One of them is Caitlin Bree, and the other is Veronica. And the fourth is Kevin Smith's mother. Yes, but I forget what scene she's in. She's the lady that's pulling out all the milk car- uh, milk jugs out of the, the refrigerator, looking for the right, right date the milkmaid. and all that. Milkmaid, the milkmaid. yeah. And oh, there's also the woman who um, who does who wants happy scrappy hero pop. Which you know what that scene is still funny. It's, that scene yeah. is hysterical. It really is. I mean, <laughs> that is. See, that's the problem with this film, though. For every like one great scene that he wrote, there are two or three that are just absolutely cringy and, and ugh. It's like stagecraft 101. Like, don't write shit like this. Yeah, but um, that that clip of him reciting all the porn titles that's a really funny thing to text people like in the middle of the day (laughs) which i have been known to do you've done it to me before i think yes but i i tweet it to you so it's different getting that notification on your phone it's just like coming in socks come on eileen all holes filled with hard cock well i mean one i mean i remember like very recently you did just text me in all caps happy scrappy hero pop (laughs) Back back to the point though. I mean, yeah, the Bash and Pop song is is it's near the beginning of the film when things have have not yet taken a turn towards Shitsville. Yes, and uh, and things they, are still are... fun and, and and breezy, and we're learning about the day in the life of a convenience store clerk. If you can actually, uh, just a side note: the quick stop is still there. It is a lot smaller. I was there a couple uh, about a month ago. Uh, it is a lot smaller than it looks. <laughs> it is like I believe micros- it. It is microscopic. It is dingy as fuck. It's like the dingiest. Like, did you, you actually go be- inside? And, I did. And, and, like, I buy did. Something? I didn't because uh, I left my purse in the car. 
But um, my friend Terry, who was with me, bought a pack of gum. Uh, <laughs> nice. But it was really... There's a couple, like, framed pictures of, like, Kevin Smith and Brian O'Halloran and Jason Mewes and everybody. It is so fucking ninja, though. Hmm. It is just... I kind of get the feeling they might want to keep that they're trying to keep it that way because they know I'm I'm sure they get tons of tourists coming you know daily to see that thing. They do, but um at the same time it's also in a really like the RST video is vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe you have a connection to RST Video. Yeah, I I very recently got a couple of uh, videotapes from RST Video in the mail courtesy Happy of Happy Scarf uh, Hero Pop? No, no. <laughs> I, I got the world's crappiest copy of the Terminator <laughs> with with the RST stamp on it and like pieces of it are falling off and the label is is like peeling back and it's it's so sad and like they clearly just put stuck this under a shelf somewhere and left it to die for 20 years because uh, I yeah I, I follow a guy on YouTube who um regularly puts up just like weird VHS uh clips that he finds from um uh, errant tapes and things that people send him and he bought out like almost the entire stock of rst vhs tapes and then sold them to his followers for like five bucks a pop so i got nice. a very shitty copy of the terminator and it's my newest treasure that is beautiful wow yeah um anyone who wants to see the picture of me in front of the quick stop you can find me at uh libby Codemore on twitter and go through a lot of tweets, but it should be under my media. It's a very cute picture. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably, you know what, I'll probably retweet that. Um, and you can cut all this then. Um, when we uh, post this. I, you know what? I can even put the the, uh, the tweet in our show notes. Okay. So that'll work too. We can do that. Okay, perfect. Um, I guess moving moving on. Uh, Libby, tell me about Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> this is such a weird, weird, weird song. Because... It is sound clips. It's well, it's for starters, it's by the band Supernova, mm-hmm. and it's all weird sound clips. And but they're not like actual. It's it's not Harrison Ford. It's a really fake sounding double. It's it's probably somebody it's, from the band. Yeah, honestly. and Wookie noises, and then just say Chewbacca. <laughs> What a Wookiee! Like I love the idea that somebody like just wrote this song to talk about how much they like Chewbacca. Right, that's really sweet. I I and... almost I almost want to th- say that this was like commissioned for the film because like oh they've got a scene where they talk about Star Wars. We got to have a Star Wars song in this movie somewhere. Yeah, somebody and... make a Star Wars song. I think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main. All they know is killing in white uniforms. And I love because you think back to 1994, and this was before the. They re-released the films in theaters, and Star Wars was for nerds. Star Wars wasn't for cool people. It wasn't for kids. It was for Gen X nerds. Nobody talked about it. You could get a handful of the novels, but there weren't action figures. It was all, you know, what you had in the 80s, and that was it. They had the Star Wars Insider, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'm pretty sure you had to buy in a brown wrapper so you didn't get beat up. Um, It was, this stuff wasn't as accessible, so the idea of having a song about Chewbacca now seems sort of silly because like why not? Yeah, sure. But yeah. everybody, then everybody has has Star Wars songs now. It's like not special anymore. Yeah. But then it 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 would have been like if you and I wrote a song about who framed Roger Rabbit. Like, yeah, that was cool, but are we still are we still doing that? Are we still talking about that? 
Yeah, so, exactly. Like this was, <laughs> this was the dark ages of Star Wars fans. Like I even I hadn't discovered it in, yet in 1994. So so yeah, I right. think I had just discovered it. So oh, I I kind of miss those days in a weird way. But um, mm-hmm. this is a really fun one to put on mix CDs because it's sort of inconsequential and it's funny and weird and it's just got this really sort of blown out sound to it yeah and it's very short so you like you get the joke and then you're out yeah yes like it's short oh, to the point i love it. i kind of love it <laughs> and i do i look at chewbacca and i'm like you know what what a wookie he's a really great <laughs> he's a great wookie and uh, to my knowledge the only like postscript to chewbacca and supernova is like like 10 years later when vh1 did that like uh, like rocks, like like rock star collaboration show where they had a bunch of rock stars do like a super group, and they there's like Tommy Lee, and I think it was the Anthrax guy. They made a super group, and they put them out on tour, and they called themselves Supernova. And then this band sued them. Good. Did they win? September 2006, the judge ruled in the favor of the original Supernova, granting their fuck request yeah. for a preliminary injunction. So fuck you, Tommy Lee. Yeah. Fuck you and your. Fuck you, know. you and your crappy VH1 band. No <laughs> and one your wants you hepatitis. <laughs> So, but I have put uh, Supernova's Chewbacca on more than a few uh, mix CDs. It's good filler. It's weird. Mm. It's funny. So it's a fun um, little song. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. But um, what song do you want to talk about next? Because I forgot. Oh well, I mean, I guess I guess we can talk about Randall real quick because the film introduces Randall to uh, an Allison Chain song. Allison Chains got me wrong, which, as we figured out, is not a, a lady singer. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. So, talk to me about uh, about where this is in the film and why you sort of pulled this song from the soundtrack. Okay, uh, so yeah, Al- Allison Chains, not a lady. Like no one would ever mistake Lane Staley for a woman. <laughs> but this was kind of like the big get for the soundtrack was the Allison Chains song from the Sap EP, which no- which. Nobody had really known about it. Nobody really knew about it at the time. So they, they pulled a song from that EP, stuck it in the middle of this film as the, our introduction to Randall. Uh, Randall works at the video store. He shows up like half an hour late, right as a customer is be- belittling Dante because Randall is late. It then cuts to like outside the store. And it's just like, I mean, the film's black and white, but you can kind of assume it's a cloudy day. It looks like it might have just rained. It's very sad, very very dour, very depressing. And then this sad Alice in Chains song starts, and it sets the mood perfectly. <laughs> now, here's my question. Yes. Can you wrangle to this? You cannot. Randall, <laughs> Randall tries. <laughs> but I don't think it works. It's a little too downbeat for a really good uh, white guy dance. <laughs> <laughs> So what is it about the song that that really well, sort of drew you? Well, th- honestly, it's it just goes back to that like in in you know early two thousands when I discovered the film and the soundtrack and all that. I was into really big into grunge, and this was my f- introduction to Alice in Chains. This was the first Alice in Chains song I'd ever heard, and I, I liked that it was kind of downbeat and depressing because I was a downbeat and depressed fifteen year old. <laughs> And not only is it's, you know, most Alice in Chains songs are very sort of guitar, like riff driven and like, but this one is a little bit more acoustic, a little more mellow. And I think that's what really drew me in because it's once again, the song is about, you know, it's about the way people perceive each other and the way people kind of uh, misinterpret these kind of things. And, you know, the, the big line of the song, the big repeated chorus, as of now, I think you've got me wrong. 
And so they, the film introduces Randall uh, playing a ruse on a customer. Ah, yes. <laughs> Where the woman is standing outside the, the RST video waiting for him to show up so she can rent a video. And he plays a prank on her where he says, like, you know, I'll pay you 20 bucks. You don't get the video in the window. And she's like, all right, you're on. And then he just goes to get the keys, comes back, opens up the door. And presumably he wins the 20 bucks. But uh, <laughs> he kind of delights in in fooling people and making people sort of misinterpret who he is and what he's all about. And that's kind of what uh, got me wrong is sort of all about in a little nutshell. Right. It's yeah. it's uh kind of it's not really indicative of what Allison Chains is. So like if like if like me you hear this song and go, I need to know m- more about this band, you're gonna get a little bit of a different experience uh when you go and track down, you know, facelift or dirt. And I think um, that that goes to sort of the thesis of this podcast of of introducing of the way soundtracks are, you know, set up to give you these little tastes of bands, but that is one of the downsides is that sometimes what you hear is not what the rest of it sounds like. And I'm thinking um, R. Kelly's I Believe I Can Fly Mm -hmm. on the Space Jam soundtrack. That is not what R. Kelly is really like. Oh my God, so not like that song. But but oddly enough, Seal's cover of of Fly Like an Eagle is very much what Seal is about. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you, you you get both sides of it on that soundtrack. We can talk yes. about Space Jam uh, at a later date. Yes, but um, one of the things actually I'd like to to jump into talking yeah. about um, is we've got two covers on this. We've got uh, yes. Shooting Star, which was originally uh, Bad Company. Mm-hmm. It's covered by Golden Smog. And we've got Go Your Own Way, which is a Fleetwood Mac song. I will have you know, Joseph Wade, yes. that I am missing not just any Fleetwood Mac tribute band, but the premier Fleetwood Mac tribute band, so that we may have this conversation. They're well, playing in Oneonta tonight. I am deeply honored. Just I'll kidding. I wasn't going to actually go. <laughs> <laughs> but they are playing here tonight. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, at this point, you know, Lindsey Buckingham's <laughs> out of the band. Do you really want to even see the real Fleetwood Mac anymore? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I mean, they're the premiere. We got a lot of cover bands here. What have... makes you the premier Fleetwood Mac cover band, though? You're the best at pretending to be Fleetwood Mac. You have the silveriest, glitteriest scarves to dance around in. I suppose, yeah. But one of the things that I, I think this is something we're going to see emerge uh, throughout is cover songs on a lot of these. Here we've got two. And they're these sort of deconstructed punk covers, uh, especially Go Your Own Way, has such a cool sound. It's got this very, like, chi- almost childlike uh, chorus. It's very kind of yeah, childlike you, voices. You get the whole band kind of chipping in, like, blaring that one out in the chorus. Yeah. yeah. But, is, uh, cool. Yeah, but it's this. It, they're very raw, very punk vocals uh, in the verses. Uh, the guy has this very, very scratchy voice, which is so. It's so cool. It's it's actually my favorite version of the song. I um, I, I like it a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, I I do like uh, 
Fleetwood Mac, but um, there's something about this version that I I really, really like. I think this version sort of bears out the fact that Go Your Own Ways might be kind of a timeless song. Like it it plays in the 70s as sort of a stadium rock song. It plays in the 90s as a grunge kind of punk song. I would kind of like to hear like a modern band, how they would take that song now. Like every 20 years, somebody else does that cover and, and turns it into something new. It'll be some weird EDM, like it'll be that breathy, you know what it will be? It will be a slowed down warbly girl singing over some stupid movie trailer, which when I am president of the United States of America, I'm going to outlaw that the first day. No more warbly girls singing slowed down covers. Mark my words. Sorry, I just really hate that. But but that bears that 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 begs the question: What what uh, movie trailer would that play in front of? I don't know, like The Conjuring Twelve or like the, like Frozen the, Nine. I don't know. No, like the, it's like the, the the big like Michael Bay esque uh, remake of like a, a sappy rom com or a, like a breakup rom com, but it's got explosions in it or something. I like with no consonants <laughs> and it's just like one person like tinking it out on a piano <laughs> i hate that it's i hate worst. that so much <laughs> <laughs> we got like, okay. we got like 10 of those this year alone and it's just the fucking worst i know i'm really kind of disappointed though that on the godzilla trailer it was like <laughs> but no um i think There's something to be said about the cover song on particularly the 90s soundtrack. That is like a thing. And I don't know if it is sort of Gen Xers reclaiming their dad's music or probably or if it's a licensing thing where it's cheaper than a new song or what it is but it's something we're going to see over and over and over and we're lucky we've got two of them on this one. So um, we're, we're I mean, we're also we're, we're going to see it if we do the Mallrats soundtrack, because that soundtrack does it, too. Oh, really? I actually don't know anything about the Mallrats soundtrack. I only saw Mallrats once. Um, much like the Clerk soundtrack, the soundtrack is much better than the film. Actually, my favorite Kevin Smith soundtrack is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Every song on that just fucking kills. So yeah, I mean, every soundtrack that doesn't have Afro Man on it is bullshit. I'm just going <laughs> to say it right now. It's actually the song I like the least. Well, there you go. I mean, that, that tells you how good it is, the soundtrack is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that one's got PJ Harvey, and, you know, there's more money. Uh, there's more studio money behind it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that one, you've got um, Minibar uh, with a song written by Ryan Adams. Um, uh, Stroke Nine with Kick Some Ass. That's, see, that's another one with a, with a, a pretty good video, too. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's not even the best Stroke Nine song. That's uh, Letters. And Little Black Backpack's a, a really good album, but we'll have to get to that. If you count it up, Jay and Silent Bob were in way more music videos than they were feature films. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, and actually, let's. Uh, do you have anything more to say on Go Your Own Way or Shooting Star? Uh, I guess uh, just personal taste. I think Go Your Own Way is way better than Shooting Star. Oh, uh, God, but, yeah. But partly because I'm disappointed that Golden Smog didn't try and do something different with Shooting Star. Because it's pr- a pretty straight cover, all things considered. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not that great of a song to begin with. Yeah, it's its kind of the most bland, like, milk toast rock star sort of story song ever. Yeah. And I don't you're like sort of, it. Yeah, and you're wondering, I, then I, I wonder, I mean, Golden Smog, you know, at times had um, 
as, as we read, it, it had dudes from Soul Asylum, The oh, Replacements, wow. Wilco, The Jayhawks, Run Westy Run, The Honey Dogs, Big Star. They had a lot of a lot of really good uh, musicians in there, and people sort of came and, and went. But it started as like an all Eagles cover show. That was one of the things they mostly just did covers. Oh, okay. So, um, so this makes sense, but when you've got a cover like Go Your Own Way that, that takes the song and makes it something new, I mean, what, what separates Shooting Star, the Golden Smogs cover of Shooting Star, from any, like, drunk dude doing karaoke of Shooting Star in yeah, a bar yeah. in Minneapolis... You know what? There's there's nothing that sets it apart. I don't care if if you know Wilco was somehow involved. If there's any one skip, you know, song that you're definitely going to skip, I'd say it would be would be that one. Yeah. Um. Although I'm not a huge fan of "Got Me Wrong," it's a little a little dark. But um, yeah. But I mean, like you know, it's it's Alice in Chains. Yeah. So certain some people are going to be like, "Oh hell yeah, Alice in Chains, give me that." Yeah, and I'm just not that cool. just like you know, certain people are going to be like, "Oh, bad religion, give me that shit right now." Leaders and yeah. followers, which I want to talk just for a minute. It's not really yeah. that interesting a song, but like, where whereas Alice in Chains got me wrong is sort of not really indicative of who they are as a band. Le- Leaders and followers is every bad religion song <laughs> you have ever heard. Yep, yes, and it is. As a person who is like deep into a bad religion like phase right now, <laughs> uh, yes, it eh. is. It is. It is every, it is like everything you need to know about bad religion in two minutes. And yep. if you like it, go find more. There's plenty of it. If you don't, okay, move on. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's a good a good in, intro. But I want to actually go back, and you can put this when we're talking about Love Among Freaks earlier. Yeah. They actually do have Berserker on here. So Berserker is a real song, on, <laughs> yes. which is amazing because it's sort of a weird joke. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen the film in a while, um, it's a again kind of a skit where uh, Silent Bob's cousin Olaf, who's a Russian metal singer, uh, doesn't speak English very well, and Jay is showing him off. So he says, "Olaf, uh, berserker." He sings, "My love for you is like a truck berserker. Would you like some making fuck berserker?" Our love for you is ticking clock berserker. Would you like to suck my cock, Belzaka? That's beautiful, man. It's like the best, like, last skit on SNL sketches, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so strange and out of nowhere that you just kind of can't help but laugh at it. Yeah, and then and they th- turn that into an actual, like, metal song near the end yes. of the film. And later, in Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, uh, one of them is wearing a t-shirt with Olaf on it that says Berserker. Yeah, in my younger days, I hemmed and hawed over whether I wanted to buy that shirt or not, and I did not. Oh, you're breaking my heart, man. I I, I could not face anybody in my personal life knowing that I might have to explain what that shirt meant. (laughs) I would know. (laughs) You would know, yeah. But yeah, that's one of those... Clark's is full of these weird little moments, which, like, when you look at the structure of how a story is put together make no sense are they funny as fuck yes and that's one of them mm-hmm. where it's just so weird and sets a it doesn't even set so much of a tone or work for setting because you never see him again right like it's, it's, it's never explained it's 
it's almost like a Sasha Baron Cohen character just kind of came and went out of this film. Yeah. There's really not a lot to it, but it is, for what it is, it is funny. It is absolutely hysterical. So that, that actually did um, end up on the, uh, on the soundtrack. Is, it was pretty, pretty funny. And so the question is, did, is, is Olaf in Love Among Freaks now? Is that, and then broke Ooh. off with his hit, you know, his hit solo record. Uh, as we see him at Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back on the t-shirt, or is he singing a Love Among Freaks song? A Love Among Freaks song that th- that was inspired by Olaf, and then Olaf became sort of their mascot. Yes, or Ooh. did he hear that on the radio? Which, basically, which came first, Olaf or Berserker? Yeah. <laughs> you could not have Berserker without Olaf, I don't think. Yes, but... You think, did he hear it on the radio and now likes to sing that song? He might have, you know. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people learn English through pop culture, so that's very possible. Yes. Um, my, <laughs> which, uh... which, which, then, which then suggests that that song existed already and is not like some weird Russian, uh, like, pigeon song. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I sort of, I'm going to go with that the he wrote it and Love Among Freaks recorded it and he's just living high off the royalties. I like it, yeah. I yeah, like that. and that's going to be the legend of Olaf that we're going to, that's, we're going to make that canon. So we're, we're wrapping up the soundtrack here. There's not a whole lot left worth talking about. Um, unless, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Am I right or what? We the, still have to talk about Soul Asylum. We do, but I mean, you know, we've, we've got Stabbing Westward and we've got Corrosion of Conformity and yeah. it, their songs are kind of just background noise, I think. Yeah. Both in the film and on the soundtrack. Um, they're filler. They're filler. Like any Every soundtrack's conformity got fan out there who thinks I'm full of shit, you know, feel free to at me. Come fight me. Come at me, bro. So, um, but uh, yeah, so that leaves us with Can't Even Tell, which I'm just gonna say is the best Soul Asylum song. So. Yeah, it's 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 a step or two. It's more fun than Runaway Train. My God, Runaway Train is such a fucking bummer. It really it's a bummer is. Bummer of a song. But uh, this is a really, really, really fun song. And I was actually uh, talking to one of my friends about this. She's gone through kind of a rough time. And I just said, it's like Soul Asylum said, we live through another day. It's a good excuse to celebrate, which I think is such a great sentiment and such a great way to wrap up this. Yeah, that is the most 2018 sentiment I've ever heard. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, But I think what... But really, this song, this, it hits that perfect, as we, we head into the mid-90s, it's accessible. It's pop accessible while still mm-hmm. having that grunge sound. It's yeah. not Alice in Chains. It's not Love Among Freaks. It's not Girls Against Boys. It's yeah. it's a little more like fashion pop. It's a little it's a little easier to digest for the masses. But it's still, it's a great pop song. It's sort of the germ of post-grunge sort of, like, taking taking root. Right yeah, as, we, as what will later be called college rock. Yeah, I guess so. so um, but that's that's a sound that I really like. Um, you know, as, as you start to head into those kind of, again, those college rock bands like the Gin Blossoms, Better Than Ezra, mm-hmm. Toad Wet Sprocket. Like, that's a sound that really, that I really connect with. And... I just and the downside of the song is that it's used over the credits. It's not even really used in the movie, so it doesn't have the connection that something like 
you know, clerks or make me sick sort of has within the film itself. Yeah, but at the same time, remember we, what we said at the beginning of the show. This is this calls itself, you know, can't even tell in an ellipsis theme from Clerks. So like this is <laughs> like the theme song of the entire film. Well, they're wrong. The theme song of the entire <laughs> film, as we established, right. is Clerks. Clerks. I love my breaks. <laughs> but so, I mean, I, I can't, I can't fault them also. for for assuming, you know. Yeah. Well, you no. can maybe, but I won't. I can, and I will fight every single one of them <laughs> with a hockey stick. So, yeah. Like Carol, that, what are you thinking? <laughs> and, well, anyone who has seen me, like, defend Steely Dan on Twitter knows that, like, I tie my hair back and I go. Like, it's, <laughs> it's fucking go time. I have been blocked by dudes on Twitter for fighting them about Steely Dan. Good for you. I know. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. Um, come at me, Soul Asylum. So, no. Um... But yeah, but again, this, again, this you know, like we said, this is the other song on the soundtrack that got a music video. It's kind of the other in big... color. I think the music video is in color. Yeah, so it's like the first time we see Jane Silent Bob in color is in this video. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure uh, Kill the Sex Player didn't get much of any airplay. Yeah. I can't imagine why it would. I no no idea. So. But still, you know, can't even tell. Like you said, it's 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 bright, it's bouncy. It's a good way to sort of close out the film, and we'll go out into the send you out into the lobby. And so, yeah, I like I, I, it, I dig it. Yeah, and it sort of sums up if, if we talk about you know Clark's sort of being that opening theme, um, which has a sort of gritty resignation to it. That is the you know the getting up in the morning I, why is Dante sleeping in his closet do we ever establish that like he falls out of his closet in the opening yeah season. i assume he had been partying way too hard the night before but no he said he had closed that night so why did he yeah. get in the closet ah, it beats me there's some little he, there's some subtext about dante we don't quite know yet yeah well <laughs> um well but he also establishes that he was on the phone with caitlin at 2 30 in the morning so maybe he was hiding from his mother because i'm pretty sure he lives at home yeah, um, so, <laughs> but, um, you know, that one is, it's angry about what it has to do. By the end of the film, Dante hasn't necessarily grown, but he start, he's starting to take steps towards that. And I think, so bookending that with can't even tell, in that sense of we live through another day, it's a good excuse to celebrate. Right. Take a number, knock on wood, like we'll do better in the morning. We're going to, you know, try to make things up with uh, Veronica and uh, I don't know. We'll get to the Caitlin Bree stuff in a minute. because I think at some point we've got to talk about the women. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In Clerks. Absolutely. And so I think it, it actually does. There is a sense of movement in between the two, which I hadn't really thought of until watching it now. That those two kind of balance each other out. Yeah, they're solid bookends. Yeah. Uh, and there's a real art to crafting a soundtrack. And I think Kevin Smith does that. I mean, I know he doesn't put the soundtrack together himself, but I think his his movies lend themselves to these really, really strong soundtracks that have a sense of forward motion that aren't just a bunch of a bunch of songs thrown on there. There's almost like, yeah, like a mixtape sense to them that everything has a, a real nicely deliberate 
feel to it. And I have to wonder who is more responsible for the soundtrack. Was it the studios saying we have to have, you know, these artists to sort of promote the film? Or was it hit Kevin or his him and his producing team saying this is kind of what best exemplifies our film and these are the songs we want? I have always wondered that about soundtracks. Um, it's probably a somewhere in between. Yeah, um, at least with this with this case, um, especially considering you know some of these were you know bands that his friends were in. How cool is that to be able to put uh, your your friends get your friends band into, yeah, into a film? You know, I really I like that. Um, the only other one that's coming to mind is someone who did that was Rick Sloan putting. Uh, the Fontanelles in the Hobgoblin soundtrack. Mm. So they were just a band that he liked. He's friends with them and put them on the, on the I, bill. I do know in uh, in Shaun of the Dead, the reason there are like four or five Ash songs on the soundtrack is because at the time, Edgar Wright was dating the bass player. That's awesome. I'm yeah. down with that. So, yeah. And then <laughs> one of the things, the, the album winds out with uh, Jay's chant. Which... So, which I bet you could still <laughs> recite from memory. I'm not going to, but yes, you can. <laughs> Look, still, there, there, are still, still there are still parts of this film that deeply embarrass me that I enjoyed this at some point, and that's probably one of them. <laughs> so I not only could still do this, but I can do the one from Jan's Silent Bob Strike Back. That is impressive. Yes, it's one of those weird, like... It's like, it's like, it's like a meme, almost. It's like mimetic. You just... It's so catchy and so, like much like a virus that it just gets in your head and it won't leave yeah and it's one of those uh this film was really not influential but when i did love this film um i was hanging out with uh, my friends jay and courtney uh jay was older than us and uh worked at this pizza place and courtney and i graduated together and we would just like quote this all the time and so we would like do that. I'd like call her and leave that, like when I knew she was in class, and leave that on her. I guess her answering machine. Oh no! Yeah. Well, like in her dorm. So I guess maybe maybe her voicemail. Um, I don't know if she, we had. Yeah, I just like call this and like leave that for her, and so. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so I I probably recited it enough times where I can do that, but I think that speaks to a really kind of crucial part of the soundtrack, which is the inclusion of dialogue. Yes, yes. Which, which, which is, is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Personally, I think they didn't do a great job of like cherry picking like clips because they're they're kind of, I guess they're the most like listener friendly clips because there's not a whole lot of swearing in any of them. Mm-hmm. Which you know, this film is this film is rated R for like pervasive, you know, sexual dialogue or something. I know like Netflix like warned me like this has a lot of bad words. Like Netflix, you don't know me. <laughs> You're not my dad, Netflix. Yeah, I can handle this. I pay for this. Yes. Um, but there's a couple, a couple really, really good um ones in there. The I like to expand my horizons. Uh, appears before violent mood swings. Mm-hmm. Stabbing Westward track. Um, the social event of the season, I think, is probably one that they could have skipped. You hate people, but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? But, like, I would have liked to have heard Olaf's cover of Berserker ahead of Berserker. Yeah, you need the original before you dive into the cover. Yeah, and because the, the, that's the joke. Because the, the cover makes no sense 
without exactly. the joke. Yeah. But um and I would have liked my favorite bit in the film is the porno scene title. I would have yeah, really that's, that's a huge oversight. Yeah. But um opening it with Dante's Lament, I think is probably one of the that is such a great soundtrack decision. I uh, because it's yeah. quick. I mean it's it's what, seven seconds long? Right. And that is a really, really fun way to open, like, a mix CD, to open really anything. Because I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm not even supposed to be here today. It's a great opener for a, a, a mix a mixtape for somebody who is having a bad day. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's something that we're, we're going to see on a couple other soundtracks. And I, I really like it. I like, you know, the I, I love the idea of slipping those things in. I think they're mm. really funny. Um... And I just, I really do. You th- do you think it's a it's a Miramax thing? Because like I know, like right off the top of my head, like Kevin Smith's soundtracks do it, Tarantino does it, Rodriguez does it, and um, oh god, there was another one. Uh, because that's weird. Because it's not on the Sin City soundtrack. Because I would have fucking killed for all of those. And that right, might be because like... the Sin City soundtrack is is a score. Probably. So... but you know, like Desperado does it. Uh, From Dust Till Dawn does it. Mm-hmm. Um. A couple other Rodriguez films do it. It might be. Who put out Tommy Boy? Paramount, maybe? Okay. Yeah, because Tommy Boy's got it. And actually, the problem with the Tommy Boy one is that sometimes they skip on on the, like, the last piece of of the dialogue Mm -hmm. will sort of double onto, like, into the track itself. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I hate when they when they tack on the, the the clip onto the song. That's that's so. Tacky. No, it's it, yeah. It's some, I don't know. It's weird, but um, I don't know. I think that's it's a nice little Easter egg. Is the word? It's a nice little bonus. I think to uh, to have a couple of these little clips in there. On. Yeah. So that's just but for God's good. for God's sake, make them their own tracks. Don't put them onto the end of the song. Yeah, I just I, and like the No Time for Love, Doctor Jones. I mean, the the thing you have to do when doing that is they have to stand out as jokes on their own. They can't be jokes that are attached to anything else in the film. So right. that's why Dante's lament works and why Randall and Dante on sex and a uh, bunch of Muppets works. Whereas no time for love, Dr. Jones and social events season do not. Yeah. So yeah. because they rely on other characters dialogue that isn't included. So. And, and also, like, they're good examples of kind of what Kevin Smith does does well and kind of what he does poorly. Because, like, sometimes his writing style gets a little too verbose mm-hmm. and it kind of bears it out in some of those little those those passages. Yeah. Um, I think, actually, like, if, if I, like, I guess a closing thought on the film itself, I would compare it to Star Wars. And here's how. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just like what Harrison Ford said to George Lucas reportedly. You can write this shit, Kevin, but you can't say it. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. And especially as I was watching um, I, Veronica sort of struggle through the, the 37 dicks uh, line comes to mind. Watching her struggle through that monologue, not through any fault of her own, she's a fine actress, but it's, it's too thick. It's not natural dialogue. Yeah, and she has to go so fast to get it all out that she just stumbles over it. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's that's not a critique on her. It's a critique on the writing. Right, um, because, because it's not just her. It's like half the cast does, has the same problem. Yeah, and really the only one who kind of doesn't is uh, Jeff Anderson. 
So, because he's got that big, huge monologue right at the end, the like, fuck you, fuck you, pal. Like, you trying to pass the buck. And it's, it's that pure New Jersey coming out yes. of him, I think. <laughs> it's just unadulterated New Jersey. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, any other thoughts on this soundtrack? Is it, would you say that this is a successful soundtrack? I, I would actually. I th- there are there are fewer bad notes on the soundtrack than there are highlights. Like I think a lot of the songs stand on their own. A lot of the songs are sort of um, either indicative of the band if you're interested in more, or they're like the best the band has to offer. And it's it's in turns fun, a little bit downbeat, and it's kind of the perfect music for driving to work in the morning. So like I think the Clerks soundtrack is way better than the actual film. It is. It holds up a lot better than the actual film. That's for goddamn sure. We can um talk about that. But I think one of the things for me that makes a successful soundtrack is the ability to listen to it as as an album rather than a tie-in. And that's where sometimes I have trouble for me sometimes it's hard to listen to soundtracks that like shows the like show tunes. Like I was trying to listen to the Galavant soundtrack and I loved Galavant and mm-hmm. I love the music yeah. from it, but I always feel a little bit silly listening to it sort of disconnected from the, the, the work itself. And that might just be like a personal weird Libby thing. There's going to be a lot of them. So just strap in. Uh, well, that's like kind of weird like, Libby that's, that's what happens when you watch any, listen to any musical soundtrack is like, you're getting the songs that kind of, propel some of the plot forward but not all of it so if you're listening to it the whole way through you're like missing huge chunks of story yeah if that's what you're listening to it yeah and so to separate it out there's a you know go back to Galavant. there's like a handful of songs that sort of work on their own um like kylie minogue's uh off with his shirt and uh my dragon pal and me is like funny enough but i don't know so but this is detached enough even with the sound clips that it's a good rock compilation. It's a good punk compilation. And it it's divorced enough from... Like, if you had never seen Clerks, and you listen, you could still enjoy this soundtrack. If, if you hated Clerks, you could still enjoy this soundtrack. And I think that's, yeah. that's what makes a good soundtrack, the ability to be able to listen to it. Because it's ultimately another piece of film merch that they're selling. And... Right. And it's funny when we think about that, you know, there was a time where a magical, beautiful time where the soundtrack and the VHS and maybe a t-shirt was going to be all that you would get. Now, I'm really surprised there aren't um, Jay and Silent Bob Funko Pop figures. How has that not happened? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of did that 10 years ago with the, the, in-action, the, figures. the in-action figures, which I, I still have more of those than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> I have Dante, um, which I sort of keep around. Um, yeah, and, you know, I'm just I'm really surprised that the, there hasn't been more of those. And it might just be because Kevin Smith is, you know, more or less out of fashion. He's still hailed as a god by a certain aging, you know, Gen X. 20 people. Yeah. A subset. But um it's really his last couple movies have bombed. He's sort of made a bad reputation as being combative to critics, and um, and it's it's too bad. Um, because I I'm a little disappointed 
that I watched this film because I remember it very fondly because I remember being 20 and I remember being angry and I remember being grouchy mm -hmm. and I worked in a video store and it sucked. It sucked so badly, but in that sort of that way you have a fond memory for things that sucked in your twenties. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I appreciate having worked at a movie theater, but I would never, ever want to do it again. No, but like you have weird fond memories of it because right. we're all sort of in it together and you can do that in your twenties in a way you can't in your 30s by that point you should have been grown up it's weird because veronica talks about she's like you're 22 and i'm looking at him like he looks old for 22 and because he, he probably wasn't but like that's 22 seems so long ago wait till you get to clerks two, and he he's 32 looking 40 i mean yeah i always yeah. thought brian o'haller was super hot though like in clerks i think he's still such a fucking babe um, I told you I've got like I got a type. Like, <laughs> actually, actually, now that I'm thinking about Dante, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about Dante, I remember he's wearing a House of Pain T-shirt in that film, oh, and I'm surprised we didn't get a House of Pain track on the soundtrack. That might have been too embarrassing. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I just love that he's wearing and it's he's wearing combat boots like with his khakis tucked into them. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> It's, it's so 1992, it hurts. I know, it's, but I'm also sort of into it. Because like, I think we've established yeah, that like, I'm sort of into Gen X dudes, so. Right. He, he, <laughs> he's nothing if not like the, the, the quintessential Gen X dude. I know, I, I love him, but I would yeah. yell at him all the time. So he could, I yelled at the, my TV more at this film than I've yelled in like six years. I just like I groaned at it. I was like, Ugh. I just wanted these characters to shut the fuck up and do their jobs or something. I know. <laughs> I know this is like if I have to give one piece it not that anyone came to this podcast for dating advice but ladies if you're listening don't date dudes who think they're in Kevin Smith movies they're all the worst don't do it don't date me from 10 years ago yeah it's a bad idea <laughs> time travel is a crime <laughs> <laughs> welcome to episode two where we're talking about time cop <laughs> oh god Oh God. And the greatest smithereen song of all time. All right, no, we we won't talk about that tonight. But we could in a future episode. All right. So I think we're going to end this show right now so that we can tease you for uh, episode two sometime down the road. All right, what are we doing episode two? Uh, if you're if you're listening at home, episode two, we're talking about Batman Forever. Yes, we are going deep into the late '90s. It's going to hurt everybody. It's the most the most corporate soundtrack imaginable, but it sold a shit zillion copies. Yep, Everybody gonna, had it. We're gonna slam our wide mouth Mountain Dew cans. Middle school dance, motherfuckers. We're doing it. <laughs> Are you ready for 1995? 1995's ready for you. Oh yeah, it's coming. It's weird though, I, because that's a year after the Clerk soundtrack, <laughs> and it's so different. But if go go if you're if you want to follow along with us go uh, go and watch Batman Forever if you really want to and find the soundtrack I'm sure it's on YouTube or wherever you get your music soundtracks. So you can dig it dig out your uh, your old black uh, black CD case that's covered in uh, whiteout where you wrote Cardigan's lyrics. Dig in, we'll dive in. Follow us on Twitter at ost party or email us at ostpartypod at gmail.com uh if you have su suggestions or recommendations for future episodes please let us know we are taking recommendations like crazy because we've got a big list but the list could grow exponentially we have we've... a lot of thoughts on soundtracks 
So share yours. Uh, so uh, for OST Party, I've been Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride.